Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. It's the California Report magazine. I'm Sasha Coca. Last fall, we brought you a story about Dabia Benakli. She was a preschool teacher who lived in Walnut Creek, which is a suburb in the San Francisco Bay Area. And she and her two kids were facing eviction from their apartment. It's hard for some people, like for me right now, but, um, you know, life is never easy anyway. That story ended in a pretty uncertain place, with Dabia waiting to find out whether or not she'd get to keep her apartment. Well, in December, her landlord took her to court for refusing to leave her home. Across California, the number of evictions is rising. And as public health restrictions around COVID have lifted, emergency housing protections, like a statewide ban on evictions, are also disappearing. And without them, more and more people are getting kicked out of their homes. So this week, we're devoting our whole show to an update on what's happening for Dabia and her family. It's about what this moment is like for a lot of renters right now and the options you might have if you find an eviction notice on your doorstep. And in this story, reporter Corey Suzuki also tells us about something we usually don't get to hear about, what it's like for tenants to fight back against an eviction in court. Could you introduce yourself? Mm-hmm. My name is Leah and... I am seven years old. I usually have homework, and I and I go to second grade. And this is Leah. She I likes watching movies and loves math. And She's got this wide smile with a couple of loose teeth, and a little sister named Alina. She drives me crazy, um, and I drive her nuts, and we have a hard time. We make a mess. Could you tell me a little bit about your mom, too? Oh, so my mom, she works, she feeds us, she takes care of us, takes us to school. This is everything that I pack. This is all there. Yeah, lots of food. Everything is freshly prepared. I don't put any nuggets, anything that, uh, so it takes me sometimes a lot of prep, but you know. That, of course, is Davia, Leah's mom. Yeah. Even before all of this happened, the eviction notices, the lawsuit, Dabia already had a lot going on. She had split up with her husband and was taking care of the kids by herself. Because of that, she was also in the middle of a frantic job search for a new teaching position with good childcare options and driving for Uber and DoorDash to fill in the gaps. And on top of that, her dad had just passed away from COVID back home in Algeria. Around that time, the summer of 2021, was when a new property owner took over their apartment complex, the building where Dabia had lived for 11 years. And soon after, they got the letter. 
It had the new owner's name, Stephen Pinza, and it was ordering them to move out. You have 30 days to leave. You have till July 31st, and July is waived. So literally, you know, you have one month to leave. And Davia was shocked when she read this letter. If I was a citizen that doing something illegal, I know I'd be kicked out. That's very normal. If I was someone that's not paying rent or just pay the part and he get tired of that situation, I would understand. But I'm someone that pays a full rent. I do nothing illegal, just protecting my kids. And I will do everything to protect my kids. I do understand he got this building and he wants to rise up the price. I do understand that he's a new owner. I do understand he doesn't know us, but he does not have the right to treat us less than regular person. Altogether, the tenants of 11 units in Davia's building received the same notice. Eight of them packed up their things and left without a fight. But Davia and two of her neighbors couldn't leave. They couldn't afford to find another place, and they didn't have a lot of options to turn to. Together, the three of them decided to stay and wait for the new landlord to take them to court. The next step in an eviction filing is an unlawful detainer, an eviction lawsuit, where a landlord sues a tenant to force them to move out. But Pinzo wasn't able to do that right away. This was back in the summer of 2021. At the beginning of the pandemic, California had passed a statewide eviction moratorium, a law banning landlords from kicking out their tenants for almost all reasons. But that moratorium, it was ending soon. It was set to expire at the end of September. So Pinza waited. In the fall, the moratorium ended. And in December, Davia got a knock on her door. The landlord was taking them to court. Davia and her neighbors are part of a growing number of people facing eviction in California. For two years now, tenants, advocates, and housing experts have worried about what COVID would mean for renters, whether or not they would still be able to pay their landlords and hang on to their homes. Back in 2020, the state and federal government answered those calls. They banned most kinds of evictions, handed out cash payments, and set up rental assistance programs. But in the last year, many of those laws that protected renters from getting kicked out of their homes have ended. And experts say evictions are climbing. And in just hours, California's eviction moratorium comes to an end, allowing landlords to force out tenants who aren't paying their rent. The state did keep some emergency protections for renters. People who had applied for rental assistance and were still waiting to hear back, for example, they couldn't be evicted. But just last month, those protections finally ended too. The last of California's eviction protections expire tomorrow. Lawmakers have extended the deadline multiple times. And experts say as these emergency laws have disappeared over the last year, evictions have started to rise. This spring, an analysis by the San Francisco Chronicle found that eviction lockouts surged during the second year of the pandemic. In Contra Costa County, where Davia lives, more than 300 households were evicted in 2021. But Davia's situation was unique. In a lot of eviction cases, there isn't very much the tenant can argue in their defense. Davia and her neighbors, though, they actually had a legal defense to make. See, the reason Pinza was evicting them was that he was planning to remodel their apartments and raise the rents. Enclosed, you will find a 60-day notice to vacate the premises. Unfortunately, we have learned of significant problems at the building and are forced to make substantial repairs to the units. The scope and estimated time of these repairs necessitates that you vacate your unit. Therefore, per the attached notice, you must vacate your unit on or before July 31st, 2021. That's David Levin, Dabia's attorney, reading one of the first letters Dabia got. There's some confusing language there. 
But what Pinza was basically saying was that they were going to have to do a lot of work on the place, and it was going to take a lot of time. And so, he said, Dabia and her family and her neighbors had to move out. Just to say, this is something landlords can do in California. Under the Tenant Protection Act of 2019, the state law that spells a lot of this out, they have the right to evict someone if they're planning to, quote, demolish or substantially remodel that property. So technically, Stephen Pinto was pointing to a legitimate reason he could use to order these tenants out of the building. But here's the catch. It wasn't really clear what substantially remodel meant. The old system was, in California, in most cases, an owner could give an eviction notice without any reason stated whatsoever what we called a no-cause eviction. And so what changed? When did that change? This new law, the Tenant Protection Act, for uh, many rental units in California, the renters now had uh, what we call just cause protection, which means the owner has to provide a reason for evicting someone. The key thing here is that that new law, the Tenant Protection Act of 2019, is new, really new. It was signed into law in 2019, but it didn't actually go into effect until the beginning of 2020, right before the pandemic, right before the federal government in California put out a complete ban on most evictions. So the Tenant Protection Act was never actually tested in the courts. But now, with the eviction moratorium gone, it's sort of the next line of defense for tenants in California. At this point, Dabia and her neighbors knew about all of this. In the fall of 2021, the three of them had started talking to David Levin, and they knew Pinza's legal reasoning might be shaky. So they thought if Pinza took them to court, they had a shot at challenging the eviction. But there was also a big risk, what tenants advocates call the Scarlet E. If uh, the renter loses the case, then they have an eviction on their record, and that can make it very difficult to rent in the future because landlords share these databases, and so once it's on your record, that can be a big problem. So Dabia and her neighbors had a decision to make. Option one, they could leave, but that was mostly off the table. Dabia had lived here for so long that the rent she was paying was really affordable, and she didn't know if she could afford another place. Then there was option two, they could try to make a deal. That meant that they would still have to leave at some point, but they wouldn't be risking that eviction on their record. Finally, there was option three, going to trial to fight Pins's lawsuit. For eviction cases, this is very rare. Again, that would mean they were risking getting that scarlet E on their record. But Dobby and her neighbors also did have a case to make. And if they won, they could get to stay. It's hard to overstate just how much was at stake in this decision. But Dabia wasn't nervous. She had faith that the system would hear them and would find in their favor. He wants to take it to the court. That's my dream. I want to go to the court with him because I know the truth will always win in the end. The truth always pops out. Dabia and her neighbors talked it over. And when the lawsuit arrived, they were ready. They already had a decision. They were going to request a trial. They wanted people to hear what was happening in their case. And they wanted a jury to decide what was going to happen next. Even, they said, if that meant losing. The trial started on a Monday, back in March. It was in Martinez at the Superior Court for Contra Costa County. And things were tense. Nobody wanted to talk to me while the trial was going down. Dobby and her neighbors figured they should stay quiet until after everything was over. And Stephen Pinza wouldn't talk to me on the record at all. David Levin also wouldn't talk to me during the case. But afterwards, he walked me through what happened. 
the, the basic idea of the law is to require a certain amount of work. The owner has to do a certain amount of work to justify evicting someone or forcing them to move. And so the question when you look at a case like this, is the owner planning enough work to justify the family's eviction? That's the idea anyway. But the law also doesn't go into a lot of specific detail. This is where lawyers would usually look to what courts had decided in the past. Usually. That's one of the big challenges of a case like this, where you don't have court decisions to go research and figure out, well, where does this one fall on the scale of what courts have looked at before? And that's why uh, this is part of a process. And cases like this help set the standards and help everyone figure out what to do in the future. And so uh, just remember all the questions that we were trying to balance at the beginning and a lot of uncertainty. There was another thing that made this complicated, too. Dobby and her neighbors had asked to go in front of a jury. If going to trial in the first place for an eviction case is rare, going before a jury almost never happens. But the alternative was pleading their case in front of a judge, who would hear both sides and make a decision by themselves. And Dobby and one of the other tenants in the case both told me they didn't want the final decision to be made by just one person. So the key question of the case was this. How much was Stephen Pinzo really planning to remodel the apartments in Dobby's building? And did the jury think those renovations were enough to justify evicting Dobby and her neighbors? Okay, back to the trial. Things started with some preliminary rulings before the jury came in. One key thing that happened there was that the tenant's discrimination argument was thrown out. Most of the people Stephen Pinzo was trying to evict were black, Algerian, or other people of color, according to court filings. And of the eight tenants who had already decided to move out, seven of them were replaced by white renters. David Levin wanted to include that information in his arguments. He thought it showed that Stephen Pinzer was discriminating against his tenants of color. But the judge said no. The judge decided that it didn't apply in an eviction case like this. And she said that uh, the only valid defense based on discrimination requires uh, discriminatory intent for uh, eviction. Tuesday, day two, was when things started to happen really quickly. Everyone was there. Stephen Pinza with his sharp, light gray suit. David Levin with his dark coat and rolling bin full of papers. And Dabia, sitting in the front of the courtroom, wearing a black shirt with pink flowers. At 10.50 a.m., the jury came filing in. That was when the trial really began. Okay, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this is an action for what is called unlawful detainer. S-E-K-K Investments, Walnut Creek, LLC, the landlord, claims that Davia, Binocli, John Taylor... Stephen Pinza went first. He didn't have an attorney and said he had decided to represent himself. He said his plans to renovate the apartments were extensive, and he argued that the scale of those renovations did justify evicting Davia and her neighbors. David Levin said no. He argued that Pinza's plans for the apartments were minor and would not have required a tenant to move out. Over the next few days, both sides brought in witnesses and experts who talked about construction timelines and permits and previous projects they worked on. Uh, Mr. Luna, what's your uh, current job title? Current job title is Building Inspection Supervisor for the City of Walnut Creek Building Division. They called up Dabia and the other tenants to the stand. I asked the manager in 2017 to remodel the floors and they were done. And they lived there while it was being remodeled. We also did the paint, they remodeled the new bathroom, new bathtub. New Bethsink. Stephen Pinza seemed to be struggling. He kept interrupting the witnesses, including Dabia. 
But my floors are new. I, I don't remember I said I need new so why floors. Why would you put that in your discovery request that you needed new floors? It's just the bathroom. The floor is popping out a little bit. Oh, so that's it. So yeah. there is damage yeah. to floors. Yeah, a little bathroom. bathroom. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe your floors do need to be repaired. Mm -hmm. The judge was constantly jumping in to correct him or asking to see both attorneys in the back. Let the witness, Mr. Benza, let the witness answer the question. Sometimes it felt more like a classroom where Pinza hadn't really done the reading. On the way back to my car at the end of day three, I ran into Dabia and one of the other tenants, Desher Young. They were leaning over the railing on the top floor of the parking lot. Dabia was smoking a cigarette. She said she had just started again. I didn't record our conversation, but they didn't seem worried. I wouldn't say they seemed confident either, but it kind of felt like whatever happened was going to happen. Everyone went home. And then it was Thursday, day four, closing arguments. The judge kicked things off. Okay, good afternoon. We're back in session. All parties are present. All jurors are present, including our alternate, Mr. Penza. At this time, would you like to argue? Yes. Okay, whenever you're ready, you may begin. Stephen okay. Pinzo went first. My, my guy has done thousands of remodels. He said it's impossible. So who do you believe? His guy who's never been a contractor and hasn't... He's done as much construction work as I have, and that's not a lot. He might have a license, but he hasn't done anything. Guys, this is an important case, and I, I'm sorry, I know some of you are surgeons and you help people with cancer, and, but this is a big deal for, for all of us, and if you support us, I hope you go to bat for us. Then it was the tenant's turn. Well, all the arguments we've had in this case, we probably agree on one point. This whole case comes down to the time that a substantial remodel will take. All right. So now it's your job to figure out where this line is in this case based on the law and the facts. But We thought there was a good chance they would uh, decide uh, the verdict that day. So that was in the range. I mean, you never know how long it's going to take. It could have been days or hours, but we, we thought it would be a few hours for them to decide. How quickly did the jury decide? I think the jury deliberated for about two or three hours. And what was the jury's ultimate decision? Uh, the jury vote was 11 to 1 for uh, the owner, finding that the owner did intend to substantially remodel the premises. Dabia and her neighbors had lost. The verdict just came in. I'm just grabbing my stuff from the car and then I'm gonna go. And then I'm gonna go run over to the courthouse. Um, back over and just catch Dabia and Desher when they come out. Did, did Levin give you an answer? So basically, he said, nothing's not going to happen this week right now. So he just was just like, um, you know, just started looking for a place. Just started looking. And um, I just told him, can he at least give us to the end of the month to try to find a place or whatever the case may be, at least until that time. <sighs> this is a lot. <laughs> I rode with Dabi and Desher as they started driving back to Walnut Creek to pick up Dabi's daughter from school. As we drove, they talked about what happened during the trial, about the judge. They talked about what losing men, about court fees and having the eviction on their record. But mostly, they talked about what needed to happen next. I don't think we're going to sleep tonight looking for an apartment, but no one will. 
Bro, really when, respond when, to when, when I get home, I'm going to start looking for other places. When I get off of work, I'm going to start um, going look and stuff like that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. After I finish looking, then I'm going to start dashing yeah. for a little bit to get oh, my oh. extra money on the side and just try to do my best. I can't dash tonight. It's just no way for me. As W drove, we stopped at a light in downtown Walnut Creek. And Desher looked out the window. I'm gonna miss living over here. I really am. I used to love living up here to walk everywhere. I was so happy that I finally got to go to shop at the store because I remember I was so poor, I couldn't even go shopping in these stores. <laughs> right? I, I would just be looking Same. outside the window like I can't afford nothing in here. Nothing. <laughs> That's so true, girl. That's so true. What happened in this case is part of a pattern in the Bay Area that stretches back to before the pandemic. Dabia and Desher both used to live on the other side of the hills, where cities like Berkeley and Oakland and San Francisco have stronger laws to protect renters. But as we all know, the cost of renting in the Bay Area in California is incredibly high, especially in those same cities. Lower income and middle income families have to leave. They leave for places where they can afford to live. Suburbs like Walnut Creek, where rent is lower, but there's also less protection for the people who pay it. We expect the number of evictions to start going up substantially. It's starting to increase, and nobody knows yet how high it's going to go, but uh, we've been worried about this for a while, and it looks like it is finally beginning. This story isn't to say that Stephen Pinza is the reason that all of this is happening. Stephen Pinza is just one person, one piece of this moment where so many people are on the edge of losing their homes. But even though Stephen and Dabia are all part of this bigger system, this is still happening for them right now, for Dabia and her neighbors and her family. And for them, it means everything. Dabia had put her faith in the system. She had trusted the courts to help them, and they hadn't. Oh, is that a good sign? I hope so. That's Chloe. Hey, Leah. I lost the tooth today in school, and I got this from the office. What is that? It's a tooth box. Congratulations. This, again, is Leah, Dabia's daughter. Yes, we'll make it work, girl. Okay. Um, we're going to be looking together. Maybe we'll be neighbors. Okay. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me see what this conquered place is. They kept driving. Leah told me about the money she was going to get from the tooth fairy and that she was going to use it to get her baby sister a present. In the background, Dabia and Desher were talking about driving up to Concord to look at other apartments later. I think I will get her, um, like, a, a chocolate and I'll get her a toy. A toy, uh, puppy. A toy puppy set. It was a strange moment, where even with these adult conversations going on, a kid was just being a kid. But it was also a reminder of who this was going to fall on the most, who might not totally understand what was happening now, but who, years from now, might look back on this as a moment that changed everything. Okay, I think it's recording now. How are you? Uh, doing okay, just fine. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I gave Dabia a call. I guess if we sort of go back to the end of the case, what happened afterwards? Well, it was very hard. It was, it was uh, maybe one of the darkest moments of my life, I would say. Yeah, it's the darkest moment of my life. After the jury had ruled in the landlord's favor, 
Dobby and her neighbors had hoped they would have at least a couple weeks to move out. But a few days later, her attorney David Levin contacted her. He'd gotten a new email from Stephen Pinza. The landlord was asking her and the other tenants to each pay him back rent and court fees. Thousands of dollars. Dabia panicked. She had already started boxing up their things, but that night she grabbed the kids, packed up everything else, and left. They went to a motel in Walnut Creek. What did you, what did you tell the kids? I tried to make it fun. I said, oh, you know, today we go to Starbucks. <laughs> a friend of mine pays Starbucks for us for three days. So, <laughs> but the kids kind of feel it. They feel the pressure. Yeah. The, oh, my oldest one, she knew. She knew something is, something is wrong. Something is wrong. They were at the motel for three days. The whole time, Dabia couldn't stop thinking about the case, turning it over and over in her head. I was asking myself questions. Am I a good mom? And Am I a good person even? What did I do wrong? I think I've been working hard, uh, go to college, you know, get a different degree in this country. Since I moved here, I've been just working. What did I do wrong? So I asked myself questions. I just couldn't sleep for days. So, yeah, like I said, I I was homeless for, for a few days, yeah. I'm glad it was just a few days, not a few months. Over the next week, Dobby and her kids moved out of the motel and started staying with one of her close friends. Eventually, she got in touch with a friend of a friend who was looking for a roommate. He had already applied for the lease, so Dabia didn't have to worry about the eviction showing up on her record. Still, like anyone would have been, she was nervous about the whole situation, about the idea of moving in with some strange man she didn't know. Oh my God, it was stressful. <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of <laughs> worried a little bit having my kid around a man and everything. But she didn't really have a choice. Two weeks after Dabia had left her apartment in the dead of night, she moved into their new place. And slowly, a little bit of the stress of the last few months faded. I really like him, yeah. Yeah, he's a very nice person. He reminds me of my best friend. I used to have a best friend like that, like him, and I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. It's like I know him for years. Just like we're raised back home, so I'm, I'm really lucky. Dabia still thinks about the eviction lawsuit and how it ended. She knows what happened to the case is going to follow her for a long time. That Scarlet E on her record, for one, and also the money Stephen Pinza had asked for. The real amount Dabia is going to have to pay is still up in the air, according to her attorney. And on another level, Dabia still thinks about the court system, too. She's lost a lot of faith and it and other institutions that are supposed to be helping her get by. To be honest, in all that situation, I received the phone calls about voting for this and voting for that, doing this. I'm like, I don't want to vote. I don't want to vote. There is no laws protecting me. Nothing is protecting, nothing is helping me. When I was out there struggling, if it's not my friends that help me, there is no law protecting a woman that's divorced and has two kids. There is nothing out there. In Dabia's eyes, the only people who were really able to help her were her friends and her family. And you know, at the end of the day, she told me, that's all some of us really have. Corey Suzuki produced this story for a class at the UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism. It was edited by Tobin Lowe, with additional editing from our team.
And just an update to that story, some parts of California are working to clarify the Tenant Protection Act of 2019 and what it really means to substantially remodel a unit. The city of Long Beach, for example, is requiring landlords to help pay their tenants' relocation costs during a substantial remodel eviction. The law also includes a steep fine for landlords who illegally evict their tenants. The state legislature is also looking at a law that would revise the Tenant Protection Act. It would require California landlords to go to their local government and get permits for the remodel before they issue any eviction notice. That law is still under consideration. Special thanks this week to Tim Thomas at the Urban Displacement Center and to Queena Kim and Ethan Tovin Lindsay. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our senior editor is Victoria Mauleon. Susie Racho directs the show. Brendan Willard is our sound engineer. Our team also includes Amanda Font and Jessica Carissa is our intern. I'm Sasha Coca. This is the California Report magazine. Your state your stories. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.